Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project podcast. Today, I'm with Laura Clark, founder of the Wise Living Institute, which teaches you to access your inner knowing and align with your purpose to live your truth purposefully and passionately. Laura Clark is a best-selling author, engaging speaker, and founder of the Wise Living Institute and Living Your Truth Sisterhood. Through these, Laura champions others to awaken their purpose and inner wisdom, to use them as a beacon in stepping confidently and courageously forward, living one's own truth. As a sassy and spiritual guru, Laura believes everyone can step forward to a fuller, more joyful, and abundant life. Hey, Laura! Hi, Monica. It's good to be with you. Uh, and of course, I'm going to go right to the sassy because I think <laughs> I think my sassy, you know, honors the sassy in you. Your sass is uh, so beautiful. I love your sass. And my <laughs> sass honors the sass in you. And we can sassily go through our, our time together. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, this is a, such a blessing. Thank you. And so, of course, I want to start with... You know, I love, I, I love as I was reading this, I actually recognized that you shifted some of your terminology from like soul wise. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. We all grow, we all morph. And uh, one of the transitions or one of the new ideations of how I support people is going from a one on one coaching model to uh, one to many uh, through the Living Your Truth Sisterhood. And it felt like, it needed to have a different umbrella. So I was the sole wise living coaching guru. And now I am founder of the wise living Institute. Ooh. They're really just hats, right? We just wear our hats. And, and when one hat doesn't fit anymore, we have to go expand and explore and find a new one. Well, and isn't that just the way it goes with evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to just start with your definition of like living your truth. What does that mean to you? And just tell me more, like, tell me more about how you came to know this in your own life. Sure. So living your truth is really knowing yourself intimately, who you are, what your purpose is, and taking simple and yet courageous steps forward, having that be your foundation. And the reason I know that that is so important for each and every one of us is uh, there was a point, I'd love to say there was just one point, but there are many points in my life where that wasn't happening, where I was, yeah, I was shitting all over myself because I didn't have, after college, I didn't have the the picket fence or the two-car garage or the 3.1 children that everybody else told me I was going to have in my life. I was following the path others they wanted for me. It's not like they told me I had to go do it, but they felt that that path would be one where I would find happiness. Mm -hmm. So I worked in corporate recreation for about 10 years and found myself drowning, literally drowning in depression. Yeah. Because I was shooting, I was living somebody else's path. It wasn't that. I wasn't happy doing what I did. I was. I, I enjoyed doing what I did because it there was an element of my purpose. And I'll, I'll go into that in a moment. There was an element of my purpose in that piece of what I was doing. But I wasn't living wholly. I wasn't living that purpose in each aspect of myself. So I would find joy in the work that I was doing. I would get up every morning. I would go to work at seven o'clock in the morning. I'd work until seven or eight o'clock at night. I'd go home. I'd crash. 
I'd rinse and repeat six days a week. Right. I love, okay. There are a few things that you just said that I want to unpack a little bit more because I love them so much. And Mm. I want to go back to first what you said about the depression. Mm -hmm. It really is true. Like there's kind of, you know, we all get depressed at, you know, one time or another, but ongoing depression is sometimes a great indicator that we're not kind of on purpose, that we're not living in fully aligned in terms of who we are and what we're capable of. And I'm hearing that, you know, in your in your work in kind of the world of recreation, there was an element that it was you could find a way to adjust your attitude and and be grateful and show up fully. But that doesn't mean that that was necessarily the place where you were fully self-expressed to to kind of your full capacity. Is that true? Yeah. And, and you know, the, the word balance comes, right? When we are unbalanced, it's because we are not allowing ourselves to follow our creative truth the way we want to, the way we are guided to. And so for me, the depression came because I was ignoring where I really wanted to go, what I really wanted to be doing. And I would go to, I would go to my default of where I was happy. Yeah. So, so tell me more about what were you exactly ignoring? What did you know that you were kind of, it was niggling like in the background, like maybe you didn't fully know you were ignoring it or, or maybe you did, but what was the it? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what the it was. (laughs) (laughs) The it was finding a relationship that filled my soul. Okay. Finding that one-to-one connection. And the more I immersed myself in work, the less time I had to finding or creating avenues where the universe would align itself with me to find that peace that I wanted in my life. So by immersing myself in the recreation for others and being the director there, I wasn't doing things that might create an avenue for finding a a love interest of any kind. I was hiding from it because that would mean, Monica, I would have to like accept myself as a woman. I'd have to say, oh, I really do want a relationship. Oh my gosh, I might have to hold hands. I might have to kiss somebody, Monica. Yeah. I might actually have to go out on a date. Right. Like all those really, really scary things in terms of like putting yourself out there because that is what is often required, right? It it is. Yeah. And when you are a woman, and at this point in time, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and all of my friends seemingly had that. They either were getting married or they had just gotten married. I, I was in that space of there was a lot of love going on. And I was so grateful that my friends had that. And they had really great partners who accepted me. I was I was the threesome, not really, but I was the three to their two. You know, they'd always ask me to come along with them. And and that was great. But I never stepped fully into that space of saying, Laura, you're good enough to go out and find somebody. So let me ask you this, because I'm so fascinated because, okay, so here you have a profession and most people would think, well, the profession isn't necessarily related to the relationship. Mm. Uh-huh. So what do you have to say about that? I think the golden thread of our life runs through each and every aspect of who we are and what we do. Ah, yeah. Okay. I think that when you know your purpose intimately, you are able to take that and wind it into your relationships with yourself as a woman, um, yourself as a soul, with yourself as a professional, with yourself as a mother, with yourself as a fur baby mother. It's the same thing and you can weave it together and it creates this beautiful tapestry of what life is supposed to be. I don't believe that we are supposed to be doing one particular thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe that you should be podcasting all day long, every single day. God, no. That would be boring. Yes. 
I don't believe you should be at, at the point that I was fully, really deep into depression. I was an aquatic director. I certainly don't believe that I should have been in that pool 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And yet it seemed I was. Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was negating the other aspects that make life full and vibrant and joyful. It's kind of like, it's reminding me the other day, I was talking to my son, right? I have a teenage son who loves to game, right? Mm. We we can see this really easily, like if we have a child who is obsessed or or we as adults who find ourselves in kind of, we're, what is that adage, you know, all work all day makes okay. Jack a dull boy or whatever that is, right? But, right, but right. it's this idea of what I was talking to him about was it's it's kind of like on that wheel of life, you know, if there's eight pie slices and one of those important pie slices for you is work and one is relationship and one is your environment and one is your health, that all of them in some ways, if we look at it, we can see which element is super out of balance and where we're not feeling fulfilled, where we're not feeling aligned, where we're not feeling like we are living to our fullest capacity in a particular area. And I'm finding myself really also recognizing that this is where a lot of people have the golden handcuffs on, where they mm-hmm. where they talk themselves into staying in a situation, whether it be a job or a relationship, that they because they're afraid of what's on the other side. And the the conversation that I was having with my son, of course, was more about just the balance piece and how to look at those other areas of his life and see what was out of balance based on what he was choosing to spend all of his time on. And we all know that when we even spend too much time in one area, even if it's something that we initially loved, that we no longer get as much joy out of it anymore, that there's just, it's what we know. And so that's what we're doing. Yeah. And I think you you just put your finger on a, a really key piece is that when we are putting all of our eggs in one basket that we find very joyful and we really love the more we do that, eventually the less joy we're going to have in it. Mm-hmm. The more we do it, we're going to feel more restricted and confined. And and well, this is the this is the tunnel that I have to go down. And that's how I felt. I was like, I, you know, I I had gone from two or three different departments, and each time I was more successful, it was harder for me to take that step back and say, well, wait a minute. Because it was like, this is, this is what I'm sh- I should be doing. This is where I should find joy. Joy is going to be there, right? Joy is, joy is in this bucket. I, and, and I had it before, but I'm going to keep digging in this one bucket to find the joy. I'm, this is the, Monica, this is my bucket. And I, I, was tr- I was happy here before. And if I keep digging in the same bucket, I'm going to find happiness. Right, right. I think that's the definition of insanity. I think you're right. I think you're right. And and I don't think, you know, that we're designed, right, it, to just kind of habits and daily repetition are nice for structure, but they're not kind of our path to that growing edge that keep us growing and knowing who we are. And so I what I'd love to hear next is like, okay, so what happens next? Yeah, so what happens next is you you are driving to work. And you go past a travel agent. This was back in the day when you had travel agents with signboards. And you go, huh, it was an island. And you do a 360 and you go back to the travel agent. You knock on the door and you say, I need a vacation. Mm -hmm. And you walk in and you plan this great escape. And then you drive to work and you cry. And you're like, okay, I need this vacation. I just have to get away. And you start walking into work and you realize you're going to come back from the vacation. You're going to be walking into the same damn building. Mm -hmm. And you cry a little bit more and you go into your little office and you shut the door and you go, you type out a letter and you walk up to your boss and you say, I'm taking vacation next week. He goes, oh, it's about time. I had a great boss at the time. He goes, it's about time. You work too hard. You need to go. You need to go off. I said, and when I come back, I'm going to give you eight weeks. And I'm resigning. 
(laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you just, there are times when you just wish you had a camera in your hand and you could just capture that moment. That was one of them, his his jaw dropped. He goes, well, I will accept that you go on vacation when you come back and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, fine. I walk out and I'm like, oh, there's the, there's the nice, and I, I don't want to patronize him because I really do respect him, but I felt like, oh, there's the nice daddy patting me on the head saying, it's okay, honey, you go rest and come back and then, and then get back, back to business. Right. Like you don't, you don't know your own heart. Right. That there's right. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you, you just decide there's one point in time where, where you come to a line and you say, you know, I'm going, I'm going to step over the line. And then there's no going back. You have to create a a way that allows you to just continually step forward and be pushed for it. It's almost that day was almost like the universe was like creating a way where there's no way I could fall back and that it was going to support me going forward. What I love about what you're pointing to is that you didn't create a safety net. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) That, That that was actually part of your strategy was no safety net. It was. And in fact, when I came back and, and I gave him my eight weeks notice, which is a lot of time, after about two weeks, he said, oh, can you come back? Can you give me two more weeks? Can you give me 10 weeks? Just get me through this period in the department structure. And I looked at him and said, no, I have something else to go to. And he goes, you got another job? I said, yes. And he was like shocked that I had gotten another job because he, he didn't even get any requests for references. He goes, well, what is it? And I said, I'm dog watching. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to somebody's house for a month and I'm taking care of their dogs. Is that the second time you wanted a camera to capture his face? I did. <laughs> I did because I was going from this beautiful six-figure business. Yeah. For a nonprofit, mind you. Yeah. And I was going to go dog watch for a month. But you know what? That month became the catalyst to... Everything I knew I needed to learn as the journey goes forward. It became the time when I knew I had to start writing, you know, from my heart. It became the time when I knew that you could actually, like, the universe could talk to you. Like, there were signs all over the place and I could start seeing them. And it was a time when I recognized that you actually have to be curious in this life. You actually have to, like, like walk out the door and go, I wonder what's going to happen today. I love, I do know this about you. I love that you are a person that is always seeing the signs. Mm. I love people that notice the signs because Mm -hmm. I think that for me is kind of how I live the revelation project often is through signs is through kind of like when I don't have the answers, reminding myself that, that more will be revealed. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to know the answers to make decisions. We All we have to know is based on how we're feeling, no, not this or yes, that, and follow that inner guidance. And of course, this is what I'm, I make up that you teach <laughs> also is one of the tools you teach. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's once we can get quiet enough to hear our own truth about who we are and our purpose and we start listening to how we are feeling. So that's that's an interesting phrase. Listen to how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. It is about listening to the, the taps, the subtle nuances. Some people will hear voices. Some people will hear by seeing sights. Some people will hear by a telltale feeling on their body, right? But you listen by feeling into and hearing these things so that you can follow them. And it's a whole process to learning how to to understand how you listen and then to understand and have enough courage to uh, know what those signs are telling you so that you can take steps forward with them. So it really is about listening and following that inner GPS. Yeah, and that not everybody listens or feels or processes or has the same way. And so there's my way. Mm-hmm. I, I know what the signs are for me. You know what they are. But it's the process of actually getting quiet enough to start to notice 
what is this in your life? How does this show up in your life, in your body? Yeah. And I'm glad you said that no one experiences how to listen the same way. I mean, every, there are enough, there are as many different languages to listening as there are people. Mm -hmm. And I always share this example. When people will say, well, I was thinking about a skunk and oh my gosh, skunks are awful and they're smelly and they're pewy and And I said, well, is that how you feel about them? And they're like, yeah. I had a client once who loved skunks. She had, she had skunk stuffed animals. She had skunk, a skunk ceramic statue. She loved skunks. And I said, well, why is that? She was, you know, Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> he just walks around and he struts his stuff and he doesn't give a God bless it anything about what anybody else is thinking. And I want to be like that. And that's the example I give because you may, you may look at a skunk and get this typical interpretation that you should, right? Here we go, Monica. You should have the interpretation <laughs> that a skunk smells awful. Right. But if you, if you get a different interpretation, it's like trusting that that message is just for you. Yeah. And I told, I was telling this at a, a conference once and this woman just started laughing in the audience. And I said, you know, you're laughing. I have to ask why. And she goes, you know, every time a skunk cross, comes across me, it's like the answer is right there. It's black or white. Oh my God. I love that. Right. So yeah. for her, the skunk means black or white. Yes or no. There is no gray. Take it or leave it, period, end of discussion. And that's what's so cool about understanding these signs and these messages and interpreting them through the the way that you feel about them. It's, it's so great. It's yeah. so fun. It's so fun. And I had an experience about this yesterday. I was actually telling a, f- a friend of mine last night. So I've been in the process of writing a book, which you probably know about. And mm-hmm. and in the past, I would say a couple of weeks, maybe even a week, I'm trying to think, but really from the time that I kind of had my first meeting with my book coach, which would tomorrow be two weeks ago, mm. I, I had these spiders start showing up in my bathtub, not just <laughs> one spider, but then that spider, of course, because I'm like, I'm not going to kill you. And I send a message to the spire, spider, like, please leave the bathtub. I'll leave you alone for a little while. And when I come back, I don't want you to be here. <laughs> which is, I'll just say like, this is some of my woo woo weirdness. But you know, of course, that doesn't always happen. And we had to find a way for him to leave. And and then like literally the next day, there's another daddy long legs. And this is a bathroom that I've lived in for the last 10 years. No spiders. I, it, there's no spiders. So yesterday I'm in the, I'm taking a shower and I look up and there is the biggest daddy long legs that I have <laughs> ever seen. Like to the point where I was like, <gasps> like I literally went like, because it starts crawling across. It, it's like, it wanted to be seen. Clearly, the first two spiders were not big enough. You know what I mean? To like really give me the message. So then it starts like I didn't realize, but it wasn't actually crawling on the ceiling of the bathtub. It was crawling on a web. And then it crawls down down the, the wall of the shower. Meanwhile, you should have seen my face. Talk about wanting a camera. I was like, I where are you going? And no, you're not going to come into the shower while I'm bathing. Like, what are you doing? Suicide spider. <laughs> he continues to come down into where the shower is now. And I'm trying to adjust the nozzle so that it, the water doesn't hit him. And he comes down and doesn't he put himself right down the drain, like basically flings himself down the drain. <laughs> So then, of course, I'm like, I don't think anything of it. I'm just like, that was weird. I'm glad he took care of himself. I'm glad I didn't have to urge him out of the bathroom. And then later in the day, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God, I should have had a V8. Like, it hits me in the face. I'm like, go and look up. I go look up the medicine of spider. And it's all about the storyteller, the web weaver. Mm-hmm. The reminder to us that like the spider needs the tension of like, in order to like create its web, that kind of it's just it was so fascinating to me, because I've been putting so much pressure on myself about writing and like how and how's it going to happen. But the spider is the message of just everything is interconnected, just begin. 
It's the web of life. Just start somewhere and you'll build your own web. It's just like, what? And and you do, you have to start somewhere and you have to start building. And what I love about your story is that it came in threes. It was one spider, then a second spider, and then a third spider. Oh, see, and this is what I love about you because then you just make it deeper. Yeah. And any sign that comes to you in threes is, a to me, a cosmic two by four saying, pay attention because you need to understand this message because if you don't understand this message and take the time to unwrap it, then it's going to come back to you. So as you're in the space of, of weaving your story, if you don't pay attention to how you felt about that sign, your, your connection to the daddy long legs, the long legs, the web, everything that was in that bathroom for you at that time, it's there to, to support this time in your life. A lot of people will say, well, it's there to scare her and have her stop. And have her. I'm like, signs are not there to scare us. Uh-uh. They're there to support us. And to, and when we're curious about them, because I, I don't like, I do not like spiders. Mm-mm. No, not my favorite. Mm-mm. I'm worse with mice. I'm worse you know? with centipedes. In fact, I can't even believe I just said that on air. Yep. There we go. You know, and, and so, when I see a mouse, I have my reaction to the, my, the mouse, which is one of yelling and screaming and getting up on a chair. Yeah. And I can either stay in that reaction or I can choose to be curious. Once the mouse has been taken care of, I can choose to be curious as to, well, why was it there? You know, what am I being scared of right now in life? Yeah. Is there something I'm being scared of? Or is it that I'm just not embracing? So the mouse for me, it, it, it goes way back, but basically it's telling me I'm not taking up enough space in the world. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. When a mouse comes across my, my thing, I'm not taking enough space. So it's like, where am I not taking up enough space? Why am I not taking up space? And how do I go take up more space? It's true, right? Because mm-hmm. that is what that has come to mean to you. And I think you're also one that is really into like, really supporting your clients and trusting their intuition. So with that, I would love to ask you, what do you believe intuition is? What is it really? And how how do you believe it supports women in living their truth? Yeah, um, that's great, great question. Um, Intuition is intuiting. It's that inner self-awareness, that truth, that when we hear it, when we understand it, oh my God, it excites you to step forward. So it can come in little teeny tiny pieces of, for me this morning, I went to the, the, the pantry and I opened it up and I went, I was going to, I was going to make a smoothie. So I went to get a banana and a lemon and, and I opened the things and I was like, oatmeal, oatmeal. And I had to think for a second. It's like, no, that's, that's into no i it's time for oatmeal and it's a simple little thing and, and i could have shut it all over myself and said well no the plan is a green smoothie you're gonna have a green smoothie or i can use my intuition to say oatmeal there's something about oatmeal that my body needs right now mm-hmm. body is asking for that mm-hmm. and i'm going to answer with a yes and I use my intuition. Why did I see the oatmeal, which was behind two other things out of the corner of my eye that I didn't even know was there? Mm-hmm. That's using your intuition saying, you know, what is the better, best choice here? And a, a lot of people, and you can use your intuition for big, big choices, you know, um, in making it. The thing about intuition is it's an inner knowing that is going to come to you like that V8. I should have had the V8. Yeah. I should have had the VA in hindsight, but the intuition is really about allowing yourself the space to say, what do I know is true? I always call it like for the longest time, I just called it the knowing, Mm. you know, like I would just have these knowings about things and I, I would, I guess I reserved my using my intuition about things that 
there was a way that I used them differently, but now I see that they're the same thing. Does that make sense? Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, so sometimes I have, and usually what I've noticed is that my body has a feeling Mm -hmm. that it's kind of trying to like alert me about. And typically I also have like a, almost like, like sometimes it's just this like knowing flashes across let me think of like the most recent kind of experience that I had, because I do have them quite a lot. Mm-hmm. It, well, it was around working actually with a book coach. It was for a while, I didn't know because I had a bunch of options. And I what I've learned to do is to also just not act until I know actually, mm-hmm. and waiting until I have enough clues or signs for my intuition. And then usually it shows up like a knowing in my body. Like, I don't know how I know. I just know that this is what I need to be choosing now. Yeah. And I think that, that what you're speaking to is the practice of intuiting. When we don't have an answer, it doesn't mean that we should force the finding. It means just being patient. Mm-hmm. And it means just taking the time to get more insights and information. And I don't mean you have to go get the encyclopedia out and, and learn everything that's in the encyclopedia. It's just about waiting. Or sometimes it's about asking, like, please show me, Yeah, show me a sign, give me a sign, because that's certainly something I spend a lot of time doing if I'm confused. Absolutely. And that's, that's where it's a skill, right? Everybody, I can, for every woman that comes, that's very clear. There are a hundred that come to me that say, I don't know, Laura, I don't have intuition. I, you know, and like everybody has it. We've just buried it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I was burying things and going into the rabbit hole of depression. You just bury it. And and it's about uncovering it. And it's a skill. It's a skill. So like you were saying, I just have to ask the questions. I just have to ask the question. And what I would invite at that, you know, that that skill development development is not just asking the questions, but it's asking the deeper discerning question. Mm. So you didn't say about the writing the book, you didn't say, well, should I have an apple or a banana, right? You were asking questions about the book Mm -hmm. and asking for these insights to be revealed to you about the book. Mm -hmm. That's a discerning question. That's the way you go down and ask the right questions. And a lot of people will say to me, Laura, you're a great coach. And I love the, the accolade. But one of the things I'm really, really good at is finding the better, best discerning question mm-hmm. that makes somebody go, oh, I knew that all along. Because we know this all along. It's just bare this truth, this intuition, this self-awareness, these answers. I always say, right, we have, we actually all have our own answers and a great coach will help ask the right question to lead you to those answers. Yeah. And it is, it, it is about that revealing that, that process of uncovering, unearthing um, this beautiful, creative soul truth that lies within each one of us and being able to do it in, in kind of a fun, exciting way, because, you know, I, you know, Monica, you've done a lot of deeper work. I've done a lot of deeper work and sometimes it can be really hard. <laughs> right. And and there's yeah, there are a lot of tears. Yes. But I I like the times when it comes like I can laugh I can laugh at myself. I like the times when this deeper wisdom comes through and you can say, Oh, you are crazy girl. What why did it take you so long to get here, right? I have totally decided that that the universe and spirit, my spirit guides have like such an incredible sense of humor if I'm willing to see right. like what they're trying to show me through a humorous lens, because I swear to God, there are times I'm like, oh, you are so cheeky. I Right. Yeah. And I think that that's where people leave their, when they go into a retreat, they'll leave the sass at the door and they'll say, oh, got to be quiet. I've got to be. I've got to be thought-filled and I've got to, uh, if I'm just the way that the... Well, like how I'm expected to show up, right? How I should be, right? That shitting all over ourselves. Then 
and then that's that then I'll get this big revelation. I for me, I get the best revelations when I can laugh with my friends, with my family, with myself, and just just like I was journaling over the weekend, and it's like, oh, here you are again, Laura. Oh, yeah, here you are again. Yeah. Over something that I was trying to get out. And I'm like, why haven't you learned this lesson yet? And I and was like, because your ego isn't ready to be washed away. Your ego is louder than your soul. How are you going to let your soul start yelling? And it was just, it was over some, some health issues that, that I'm going through and trying to, after this year of, of pandemic, trying to regain a little bit of uh, personal empowerment on my health. And I was like, I went downstairs and there was a chocolate bar sitting right there on the counter. And I'm like, huh, you're laughing at me. You're testing me. You're testing me with this chocolate bar. And I'm going to answer you. And I opened it up and I took one little bite, one little bite. And then I folded it up again and I put it at the back recesses of the freezer. So I know that the chocolate's there. But I'm going to have to really make a conscious choice to go get it now. <laughs> right. But I looked at, you know, I'm looking at my big guy and I'm like, did you put this chocolate bar here? He goes, no. And I'm like, you put this chocolate bar here. He says, no, I didn't, Laura. I'm like, I didn't put the chocolate bar there. We don't know who put the chocolate bar there, Monica. There are only two of us living in this home. Well, I'm telling you, I always say you cannot make this stuff up. And there's often these experiences. But I feel like this is also where the storytelling aspect comes in. I feel like, you know, when we're in in relationship with the universe in this way, there's always kind of this unfolding story that continues to be told. And if you're able, I think, to see it through a variety of different lenses, Lenses, it's so powerful because there are these humorous moments where you can be like, oh my God, like I forgot to laugh. And there's, I think we're always being encouraged with all of this stuff to be gentle and kind to ourselves always. That none of these signs or experiences come to us as forms of punishment. And I want to be really clear when I say that because that is truly what I believe. I don't believe that we're here to have these awful experiences. I believe that experience happen for us. And I believe awful experiences happen. And I believe that oftentimes, you know, at no fault of our own, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean we have to make those things mean something negative about us or something that we deserved. It's more, it's more about kind of separating, I think, the wheat from the chafe and understanding what can we take of value from certain experiences? And how do we want to continue narrating the story? Yeah, and and you know that it's a great point to make because so many, and I think it's shifting. I think over the last ten years, I've heard less and less of people saying out there, the gurus saying, "Well, you know, you got breast cancer because you know you you didn't do the work." Oh my God! I just I I'm like that's why I wanted to say that out loud because that just makes me crazy. I have to tell you, it does, and I and I'm hearing less and less of it in the spiritual um, world. And I love that because I can't agree with you more that we are gifted experiences for the lessons. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those experiences suck. Yep. Right. Like some of them, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what I do know is that the experiences, there are lessons that give us this beautiful golden thread and I, I love that golden thread that we can then weave forward it gives us this wisdom beyond our years beyond anything that we were ever be capable of knowing if we had not gone through that experience and when we take that when we take that knowledge and that golden thread it doesn't mean you're not going to be sad when you, you think about the experience I'm going through it, but you could be like, this, this can be a guide for me to support not only myself going forward, but others. And when we use our wisdom of our experiences, not only to support ourselves, but to support others, that's when the world starts glowing. 
It's so true. I love that. It's so, so true. It's, and I love the word wisdom because, of course, you know, as Lynn Twist calls this century the Sophia century. Mm-hmm. And Sophia in the Bible means wisdom. And when I think about, you know, what that word also means, I think about, you know, going back to animal medicine, right? The owl. And I've said this in podcasts past, but you know, when you think about Athena, the the goddess of wisdom, her totem animal was an owl. And the what can the owl do? Well, the owl can cleave through the darkness and give us a higher perspective. And I think when we're Again, when we're in relationship with the world and we're able to really use our intuition as part of our navigation system and as part of that kind of trusting that these signs are for us, that we're able to see through a myriad of lenses that offer us different perspectives and that give us the ability to kind of make more informed and life-giving choices for ourselves. Because at the end of the day, we also have free will and we can choose how the story goes. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I keep going back to whenever I'm in this, this space of, well, you know, I, Monica, I don't know if you get there, but I, go, I get to the why me sometimes. Oh no, I've never yeah, been there, Lori. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Why me? Why? Me, Why? Right? And 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 so that triggers the little girl in me. Why me? Right? The crying and uh, and it triggers yeah. my re- my remembering how I was ex- when I was experiencing depression and the the multitude of tears that had. Why me? Why me? Why can't I just find? Why me? Why me? Why me? And then I start saying, well you're in this right now because why me? Why not you? Why not? Because why not experience this? Because it's going to make you a stronger woman. It's going to make you a stronger founder of the Wise Living Institute. It's going to make you a stronger coach. It's going to make you a stronger partner. And the sooner you stop why me all over it and understand the lesson that's coming through, easier the challenge is going to be to get through. Mm. And I know this to be true. I mean, I we're all experiencing such a different kind of a year. And I've made some choices with my partner and my family around how I'm going to live through this pandemic. And Monica, all I want to do is go get a pet here. I know. <laughs> I just is want it to too get much to ask? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'll see a friend of mine post a picture and she just got a pedicure. And I'm like, why me? Why not me? Why not me? Why, why her? Why can't I go get a pedicure? And then I sit back and I say, well, you can. Mm-hmm. It's your choice. And then I check in with my choice. And the choice is still strong enough for me to say, not yet. Not now. Yeah. Not yet. That's not my, and I, whatever anybody is making for their choices in living through this, go make those choices, but make sure you're checking in with yourself and you're not doing it because the little ego is saying, well, why not me? Or why me? Right. Make sure that your choices are based on that truth, that compass that lies within. Well, and, and this is this other piece that I think is so great is What's true for your friend, there's no, it's really kind of noticing where we want to judge and be like, and shitting on other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because the truth is, she went and did that. And that might have been the right, it's like trusting other people in some ways that that's the right choice for them. Mm -hmm. But when I check in with myself, it gets to be different. Yes, that is something that I want. Yes, I can feel the jealousy, right? And the admiration as I look at her, you know, beautiful manicure and pedicure and want that for myself. But it's not time now. It doesn't feel like the right time for me right now with the pandemic or whatever that that intuitive, right? Whatever that intuition is telling us in that moment. And of course, we can we can kind of joke around about like the manicure and the pedicure. But of course, this becomes really really useful as we practice it with the small things, Mm -hmm. as we get better and better at practicing using our intuition and checking in with ourselves, I tell you, it becomes really a powerful tool over time when it comes to the big things. Absolutely. It's like riding the bike, right? Yep. You get on it and you practice. 
and you practice and you practice. And then all of a sudden, one of those big things comes and you get the answer. And you're like, well, that was easy. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, it Why just... was that so easy? Because you practice. And, and there are so many ways we can practice this. And in the end, when we do, it's going to pay off bigly. I love that you use bigly in that way. <laughs> yes. It is going to pay off bigly. Bigly. Yeah. So, okay. So bigly. So here's what I want to ask you next, because I know that you, you, ha- you kind of like have these six, I think it's six truths that you mm. kind of talk about. And I wondered if you wanted to kind of explain reveal any more about Mm. those in this episode, and then kind of tell people where they can learn more about you and your work. Sure. So, you know, I think we've actually touched on most of those truths already, Monica, so I'll just go through them. But the first truth is to know your purpose intimately. And I'll take it a little deeper in that a lot of us spiritual creatives and entrepreneurs are looking to spread love and light. And I have people come to me and I'll say, well, what's your purpose? And they said, to spread love and light. I said, uh-huh. And, and, and they're like, no, that's my purpose. I'm like, how, where, when, in what form, how can we really get granular about what your purpose is? And the dogs, if you can hear them, are, are chiming in because this is really, really important critical. And, and we're, we're totally like listening to the signs and the signs all get to be here, right? We won't even edit these, the dog barking out because they're emphasizing this. Absolutely. And, and so we must know it intimately. And if you can express your purpose in five unique words or less, you probably have it, but I would invite you to express it in three words or less, because that's what you go back to. When the alarm clock rings in the morning, you don't want to go back, you don't want to get up. When a bill comes in and it's not what you wanted to see, when the health practitioner calls and there's a challenge, when you can go back to your purpose and go, my purpose is to awaken wisdom. How am I going to use this right now? you will be able to meet that challenge and grow and glow in ways you were never even thinking about before. So that's the first one. Uh, the second is we've been talking about is to listen and follow your inner GPS, that knowing, that inner awareness, because that's your truth. That's your soul's truth waiting to come up and out. We talked about curiosity. That's the truth. The third truth is just to follow your ABCs, always be curious, Mm -hmm. you know, open the door and say, what do you have for me today? Mm -hmm. The fourth is to live intentionally. We didn't talk a whole lot about intention, but when you, you know what your intention is for an activity and you put your purpose and that intention behind it, you will be able to affect change and make a bigger impact. The fifth intention, uh, the fifth truth is to live courageously, you know, to truly live taking courageous action. And courageous action runs the whole spectrum. It may be getting up and putting your feet on the floor in the morning. That may be the biggest courageous act that you can take in, in a given day. And I know how courageous that can be because I had to take those courageous steps when I was in deep dark depression Mm -hmm. and get up out of bed. And other people will say, you know, uh, courageous living is becoming the first female vice president of color in the United States of America. That's courage, right? But there is no differentiation between the amount of courage either of those acts took for that particular individual. It is. I love that you said that because that is so, so true. It's again, it's listening to like what's true for me right here, right now, and knowing that that gets to look completely different and it's no less courageous. Absolutely. And I, you know, I underscore this with everybody I meet and talk with courage is an individual act of expressing your purpose. And if your purpose is to read a book, in that day, that's courage. And 
we, we must recognize that for women and applaud it so that we can continually to continually step forward courageously, taking different kinds of courageous steps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the last truth that we talked about is, you know, to ask for help. We, we need support in this um, world. We need communities. We need to be able to have podcasts like this. We need to be able to ask, always seek knowledge, ask for support and to laugh, laugh and laugh, laugh at yourself, laugh with your friends, laugh with your communities, laugh with the universe. My father, who is my, one of my greatest teachers always says, if you lose your sense of humor, Laura, you're going to lose everything. And I love that laugh rhymes with sass. And laugh does rhyme with sass, right? (laughs) So, so these are the six truths that I, I hope to to share with everybody that can impart them on taking this soulful journey to to greater joy and abundance. Ah, this is so beautiful. And Laura, one last thing is, I know that you have a few programs that you offer. Is there anything kind of coming up in the next couple of months that you want to invite our listeners to check out? Because I know that you have like Living Your Truth Sisterhood. Yeah, so that would be the place that I would um, start looking at what the Wise Living Institute does in supporting women. The Living Your Truth Sisterhood is all about content and programs in in small, bite-sized ways to be able to hone in on what your intuition is and what it's telling you and to take courageous action. It's It's a virtual community that I host. And you can find that on my website, uh, wiselivinginstitute.com. Uh, well, Laura, as always, I have just loved our conversation. I love where it took us. I love all of the ways that we just trusted, uh, you know, the the conversation to unfold and it, you know, it did in like the richest of ways. So again, I'm so, so thrilled. We got a chance to have you on the program. I can't wait to have you back again. And I just want to acknowledge and thank you for your work in the world. Oh, thank you. And thank you for everything that you are shining your light on with the amazing women you're bringing to um, this podcast. And I can't wait to read that book. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. More to be revealed there for sure. And Mm -hmm. to our listeners, I'll be sure to put uh, Laura's links in the show notes. And until next time, we'll talk to you again and more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.